Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi, this is Jody Salvo. Welcome to another edition of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. I'm really excited today. We have Megan Sharver with Ohio Guidestone, and uh, she's an SUD counselor, and you can explain what that is down at River Haven, and I'm going to just kind of hand it over to you, Megan. Hi, thank you. So at River Haven, I do all of the counseling. I'm duly licensed in mental health, um, meaning I help with the depression, the anxiety, and then the substance use counseling is really just dealing with the triggers, the old behaviors, everything as to why they've started using. So they get individual counseling each week for me. They get 10 hours of group counseling each week for me, and we cover just a variety of topics from relationships to boundary setting, to triggers, the community barriers, and all of that. Okay. So River Haven is the new name for uh, Harbor House. Correct. Um, so that's with Ohio Guidestone. Um, and I heard you all just got a beautiful location. Yes. We just relocated here in Dover from New Philly. We have a larger facility um, that really gives the women a lot more room, more bedrooms to be able to spread out. We have a brand new, lovely kitchen. Oh, um, Nice. So we get to do a lot of cooking, a lot of baking, um, which is great coping skills for the women, great ability to learn to do those things. Um, and it's more of just a homey atmosphere for them. So they're more comfortable, able to relax a little bit more. Nice. Now, for people that aren't familiar, um, River Haven is an opportunity for persons that are struggling with addiction. Correct. So it's anywhere from a 30 to 90 day program. We get anything from referrals from both municipal court or common police court. We also get a lot of people just coming in on their own as well. Um, We also see people from Carroll County. So we work closely with drug court, recovery court, um, and they can, like I said, based on their insurance, 30 to 90 days, they get group counseling, case management, recovery focused services with our residential advocates. So they really get quite a bit while they're there. Now, what's a waiting list? Say if someone out there wanted to get help. So typically our waiting list kind of varies based on the season. I do know right now we have a waiting list of about two to three weeks, okay. um, but that's forever changing. It can come quicker than what you would expect. Um, but even if somebody's wanting to get in and we do have a full house, we do take all their information and get to them and keep that contact with them of a date for them to come in. Nice, nice, nice. So the referral sources come in a whole bunch of different ways. You said... 30 to 60 days? Uh, 30 to 90. Usually we try to get everybody as close to 90 days as we can, and then we'll refer them over to Guidestone for the intensive outpatient portion of the program. Fair enough. So how long have you been there, Megan? Um, Almost three years. It'll be three years in May, um, and I absolutely love it. I don't think I could ever go anywhere else. Oh, wonderful. That's (laughs) great to hear. Um, Now, we have been doing a series called What I Wish Someone Would Have Told Me, and the reason Megan's here today is... um, I think it was Haley or your supervisor mm-hmm. had said that you all are having conversations around these podcasts in the house. And tell us a little bit about that. So we've been using the podcast as a way to open up the conversation because one of the number one questions I get as a counselor is how do I break the cycle for my children? And what's appropriate, what's not appropriate to tell them. And so I use the podcast in the way because it's a lot of great information of people they do know in the community that do struggle of what they wish they would have known. Okay. Um, so we've talked a lot about in childhood, what, what's normalized for you is drinking normalized at dinner. Um, our relationships, what do you see from your parents? 
And that really sparked the conversation of, well, my parents didn't talk to me about not having boys in my room or a 12-year-old shouldn't be drinking wine at dinner. Mm. Um, So that really sparked, well, this is how I can teach my children about the world and what's really out there. Have have you heard themes that have came through on discussions at this point? Yeah, it's been a lot of relationships and it goes from the extreme of I was very coddled as a child to where I was so protected from the world that I didn't know about relationships. I didn't know about drug use. I didn't know about alcohol use to my family didn't care. They just let me do what I wanted to do and nobody told me I couldn't do those things. Okay. Do you see an extreme in age of onset of initiation or as a counselor even, what are some things that you see? Lately, I've been seeing a lot of people starting their use very young, um, 10, 12 years old, which if I think back to when I was 10 or 12, I didn't know what those things were. Um, So it's a shock for me to know at 12 years old, you know what things are like methamphetamines and heroin, because I didn't even know what weed was when I was 12. Um, And then we also see some of the people that start using later in life just because of poor relationships. And when we have those conversations, it goes back to, well, what were you taught about relationships when you were 13, 14 years old? So you see a lot of it, it all stems in that beginning of their adolescence. Okay. And we always have that conversation that that substance use stems from something, you know, so there's something going on or unresolved or we're self-medicating or experimenting and, and something Yeah, and it all starts out as, oh, well, it's the fun thing to do. I'm 16. I'm supposed to start it, but I'm supposed to party and have fun. But it's one of those things you don't know if you're going to be addicted until it's unfortunately too late. Um, And I have individuals now that come in of, oh, I just use on the weekend. But now I'm realizing I'm using every day and I can't stop. Yeah. So what would you recommend for someone out there that maybe has occasional use and is realizing things are kind of getting out of control? I think the best thing you can do is there's a lot of help in the community in general. Um, I know a lot of meetings and stuff aren't in person because of COVID. So COVID does make it hard, but there are a lot of online meetings to where you can just simply sit and listen to people talk and you can look at your behaviors, what's going on for you, and even seeking out to just counseling in general um, and voicing to a therapist or a case manager or anybody, hey, this, this is what I'm doing. Is this problematic? How is this affecting my functioning? Is it making it so I can't work, making it difficult to maintain relationships. And that counselor can kind of really help you guide through if those are problematic behaviors. When you have women over at uh, River Haven, um, are there any things that feedback that you get from them that could be helpful for audiences to know how can we help support persons going through uh, struggling with addiction and, and going into recovery that would just be helpful? I think really just looking at the education aspect of addiction, because I think even a lot of my friends that aren't very educated in the field or don't understand it, it's, well, why can't you just stop? Okay. Um, And I think that's the piece where a lot of people could potentially maybe learn a little bit more in the community about addiction isn't just stopping. It's there's more to it. You had mentioned uh, Jen Beamer that they, the ladies had listened to her um, podcast And one of the things she had mentioned, and it kind of stuck back in my head, that one of her friends, um, Antonelli, I can't think of his first name, he really focused on the the brain science of addiction. And I remember her saying, that was super helpful. So I'm just going to throw this out as 
you all are discussing, maybe even this podcast, there is a site called Addiction Policy Forum. Um, probably one of my most favorite sites that is available, but they have a lot of wonderful uh, videos that just explain addiction, like addiction 101, but in the friendliest ways to understand what happens to the brain. It's kind of animation and stuff, but um, maybe we'll see if we can throw that on our Facebook page as well. Uh, but it might be helpful when women come in to kind of just show this video because it, it kind of clicks like, okay, this is why I can't stop. And this is what it's doing to my brain. Um, and even John, who was here last week, really spoke about, he just wish he would have been educated about addiction, you know, and kind of having conversations where we probably just need to do a better job at younger ages. And that means elementary school, I'm assuming. Yeah, I would agree. And there's a video that we actually use in group that explores the disease model of addiction. Um, and it's through just YouTube. Um, it's Dr. Lander. Oh. And he just really shows the brain scans and shows the changes in the brain. And that's really that first time where a lot of people are like, whoa, okay, it really is changing my brain. Like, oh, that's why I do that. That's why I feel this way. And I think the more that those videos and those types of sites can get out there for people to just watch, I think the easier it is for people to understand addiction. Whether you're in it or you just need to understand it so we do not have stigma. Absolutely. Around addiction. Well, that's helpful. And I love Tuscarawas County and uh, the agencies come together in a great way. But I know a lot of the work that's going to be coming out of the addiction task force and the, the coalition is to just really work at um, decreasing stigma mm -hmm. around addiction. And I like just hearing disease model. And, you know, I think when we can take away the negative terminology that has been associated with addiction and get down to, okay, this is addiction and this is how it plays out. Um, I think the healthier we'll all be. So yeah, and I agree. And I enjoy seeing the women because being in residential, you get to see them every single day. So I always joke with them of like, I'm going to go to bat for you when I see anybody bashing addiction because I see these women come in at their most vulnerable stages and to see the things that they can achieve. And they're really no different than I am and Absolutely. the things that they struggle with. And that's what I try to really advocate for people to understand is they just made one choice that changed their entire life. You could make that choice too, and your life could be there as well. Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing that. Um, so when, when ladies get out of Riverhaven, what's that look like? So when they complete the program at Riverhaven, we send them over to Ohio Guidestone to do the intensive outpatient program, which is group three times a week. They also get connected with a counselor, a case manager, peer recovery. Um, so that way they can really have that full support team. Um, and then after that, they can choose to continue on with their counseling to just seeing that individual counselor once a week, once a month. Um, I really try to encourage them to stay in that treatment phase for that, at least that first year of recovery, because that's definitely the hardest for them to get through. Nice. So what takeaways do we need to know? Um, I think just understanding to be patient with the women or men in recovery, understanding that they're relearning how to live life again and just support them as much as you can. And I really, really want more and more people just to educate themselves on how addiction actually, actually changes the brain. Now, what if a um, person sees someone come out at 90 days and, and not be completely successful? What would you say to that? Um, I would say just keep trying. Um, keep giving them love. Keep giving them the support. They'll, they'll get it eventually. Um, 
They will. I kind of asked that question with the ulterior motive. When you mentioned that video from Dr. Is it Lander? Yeah. He really, they have these brain scans. Yeah. And you see the brain just not, it doesn't heal for a long time. So is it like 100 days? They kind of. Yeah, it's like 100 days, 120 days, like seven years. And it's, it's insane. It really is a video that probably everyone needs to see because, you know, if someone's going through treatment and they're working hard, they're still battling a yeah. brain that that is still recovering itself. Yeah. You know, it, it is still a damaged brain at that point. Um, and, and you see as his video goes on that the brain continues to heal over time, but it's not healed at 30 or 60 No, absolutely days. not. And I always tell people, just like we would treat somebody that has diabetes or heart congestion, like congestive heart failure or any of those physical health issues, we're patient with them as their bodies are healing and working through that. So we need to be patient with somebody whose brain is trying to heal because our brains, they do heal. Yep. It just, it just takes a while. Nice. So I guess we first just appreciate you taking the podcast and have the conversation um, over at the house. Um, we hope that the information that is being shared here weekly is helpful. Um, I think as community organizations, I think we're definitely committed to how do we continue to educate through the schools, mm-hmm. our young people, encouraging parents to have conversation with their kiddos. And we understand they don't come natural having these conversations, mm-hmm. but it's part of being a parent, you know, anything else that we need to figure out so we can convey that to our children. We do. We need to figure it out. And this is one of them. We need to have those conversations. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I remember doing dare in like sixth grade and it, I, it didn't teach me anything. Um, and I think in today's society, we're just so terrified for the younger generation that we forget to be open and honest with them. And I think sometimes our kids are too afraid to come to a parent and say, hey, this is, what I, this is what happened. This is what I tried. And I think as much as we can keep just communication open to our teens and our kids, I think the better. Do you see substances that maybe more people initiate on, trends and stuff like that as, as people come into the house? Yeah, absolutely. I always see with, if they started younger, it's, it's the weed, it's, it's alcohol. Then it eventually it progresses to some type of pill, um, eventually the meth, the heroin, um, as they get older. So it definitely starts with the weed, like I said. So when people age. think weed, no big deal, marijuana, yeah. no big deal, would the women probably say something different? Yeah, they always tell me, well, weed's not enough for me. Um, I don't like weed. It doesn't give me what I'm looking for. It used to, but not anymore. So it started the ball rolling. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's helpful because I think we really do need to help people understand it is a drug of initiation that kind of... Absolutely. Okay. Well, great. I really appreciate your conversation today, um, the work you do at Riverhaven. A shout out to the women of Riverhaven. Um, you guys got this, girls. Um, just know that you got a community behind you. We want you to do well, and we hope when you leave here, you stay in that out, out, um, intensive outpatient yeah. and... And uh, come help us as far as uh, just educating and and giving back Um, because we need all the voices at the table, faces to say, hey, here's my story. Um, You know, we don't want anyone else to have to struggle with this if we can prevent that. So 
Yeah, absolutely. And I enjoy using the podcast. So I definitely appreciate all of those that are being done. And I know the women enjoy them as well. They're looking forward to listening to this one. They asked me first thing in group if they'll be able to watch this one. So I told them absolutely. Oh, neat. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Megan. I appreciate you being here today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.